0: This morning I want to talk to you about the baptism of power, how to fully surrender. And as we consider the last words or final words of Jesus, many believe the final instruction of Jesus was, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe whatever I've commanded you in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28. However, those were not Christ's final words. His final word was not go, but wait. And we find it in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me that John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So isn't that interesting? Famous last words, and we can get them so wrong. How many of you used to believe that Jesus' last words? Oh, yeah, I know that, Matthew 28, go, make disciples. And those weren't his last words. He said, wait, not go. In fact, too many of us try to go, and we haven't waited long enough. (laughs) We try to go and we haven't properly waited for him to come, to baptize us. So again, I want to talk to you about the baptism of power or being fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. This is part two in our series. I am not alone, the Holy Spirit. I am not alone. We actually find in Scripture that there are three baptisms. And many believers are unfamiliar with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's go through these three. Is there anybody, by the way, that does not have a handout and would like one? Okay. Right? Ushers, could we please tend to this? I'll pause and wait. used to silence are you those of you that raised your hand would you raise them again the ushers are looking for your upraised hand they don't know who you were I consider this morning and next week practice for the 26th this is why we're going through the training that we're going through on our Wednesdays okay is there anybody else that would like a handout and didn't get one okay. let's rehearse the three baptisms first we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit or by a different name salvation this is referred to by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse 13. For by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. Ask yourself, who's doing the baptizing in this verse? Notice, it's the Holy Spirit who did the baptizing. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's not the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here's the New Living Translation of this verse. Some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves, but some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by the one spirit. The second, water, the second baptism is water baptism. This is the baptism that we follow Christ in obedience to his command. So water baptism is performed in obedience to the command of Christ matthew chapter twenty eight verse eighteen go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This baptism symbolizes our new life in Christ, but then the third baptism that we find in Scripture is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, excuse me, baptism in the holy Spirit it's spoken of in Matthew chapter three and verse eleven. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Notice it's not the Holy Spirit doing the baptizing, as in the first kind of baptism. It's Jesus doing the baptizing, and the Holy Spirit is the element into which or with which we're being baptized. Now, it's the misrepresentation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's caused countless Christians to avoid this wonderful experience, and that's a shame because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is absolutely crucial to living a victorious Christian life. And what a shame that something that God said was the promise, what a shame that something that Jesus wants to give us as a gift is avoided by so many Christians. I ask you, how could Jesus baptizing us in the Holy Spirit be a bad thing? So, why is this so important, this baptism of the Holy Spirit? Here's the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. First of all, Jesus himself was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Imagine that. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, needing the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to come on him. And it came on him when he was baptized in water. Simultaneously, at his baptism in water, he was also then had the Holy Spirit come upon him. You say, why why would God, if Jesus is God, why would God need the Holy Spirit? Why would God, Jesus, the Son of God, need to be baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, keep in mind, though Jesus was God, he was man. In fact, he's called the Son of Man. So Jesus was 100% man. In fact, I submit to you that when Jesus lived his life on this earth, when he walked on earth, he did not walk as God the miracles the signs and the wonders that Jesus did he didn't do those as god he did those as a man anointed with the holy spirit that he received in god at his water baptism you think that's far out is there bible for that absolutely acts chapter 10 look with me acts chapter 10 verse 38 How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Why would God have to be with God? Why would God have to anoint God with the Spirit and power? Couldn't God just do the miracles and cast out the devils and deliver people? He could if Jesus had retained his godhood. But Paul said in Philippians, Jesus laid down his divinity. He took upon himself the form of a servant, becoming in every way like you and I. And so he was baptized with this precious Holy Spirit. Secondly, the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit has to do with the fact that while there are many promises in the Bible... The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the promise. How many of you know if there's the promise, then all the other promises are subject to that in importance? When somebody says, this is the way, or this is the method, or this is the, absolutely, these are the clothes that you've got to wear then they take precedence over all the other clothing. If we were to announce, now, this is the door that you're supposed to come in to church through, well, then that would make that door more prominent and more important to come in through than all the other doors. And typically, that's the front door. So in that the Scripture calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit the promise, it's more important than all of the promises. In fact, none of the other promises really work the way that God wants them to work until we get the promise worked out. Now watch this. Acts chapter 2. You know the passage. Peter here is delivering his first sermon after personally being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is happening on the day of Pentecost, High Festival Day. 120 believers are in the upper room. The Holy Spirit is poured out. This is the promise that was assured to them in Luke's gospel before Jesus left the earth and then again in Acts chapter 1. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is poured out and these 120 believers all receive it. Peter stands up after being baptized in the Holy Spirit and begins to preach. Now, all of this was a fulfillment of the promise made in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And then the personal promise of Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and verses 8. But wait for the promise. Wait for what? Help me. Wait for what? The. The. Wait for the promise. Verse 8. For you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this is what they received. Peter stands up, begins to preach. Now, Peter's sermon elicits such a strong response From the crowd. I mean, he was anointed of the Holy Ghost, just like Jesus. And the crowd responds in verse 37 of Acts 2. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Now, here's Peter's response to the crowd. Look at it verse 38 and 39. Here's what he tells them. He summarizes. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Notice, this is not a promise relegated just to back then in the Bible days. This is for every believer, for every Christian. Peter outlines the three baptisms. Notice, repent, that's the baptism of salvation. Be baptized, that's talking about submitting to and following Christ in obedience to water baptism. And then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that's this third baptism. Now, I submit to you, this is the greatest event in history. Had Jesus not been raised that Paul wrote, we'd still be in our sins. But think of it, if the baptism of the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out, then Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension wouldn't matter because we wouldn't be recipients of anything. It would all be theologically correct. It would be known in heaven that Jesus did this. But until, in fact, Jesus said it this way, It's absolutely essential that I go back to the Father because if I don't go back, I can't send another comforter. But if I go back to the Father, then I'll send to you another comforter who's going to be with you. And he's not only with you now, he's going to be in you. Isn't that powerful? This outpouring in Acts chapter 2 that we've just read about is actually the birthday of the church. Without this baptism of the Holy Spirit, the church wouldn't have been born. Think of it. We're sitting here in this room, fellowshipping, worshiping God, enjoying the presence of God as one of the local churches in the body of Christ all because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was poured out in Acts chapter 2. So this great biblical pattern of receiving power now is repeated over and over again. It didn't just happen in Acts chapter 2. It happened often. Now, watch this. Look with me. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Here's where Jesus actually promises the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's the initial the promise of the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high then acts chapter 1 verse 8 luke wrote acts and so he records that just before jesus left the earth jesus said you shall receive power after the holy spirit has come upon you by the way let me pause and say it's common teaching centered around this baptism, that it's the gift of power. And that really is wrong. And it's wrong for us to focus only on power and gifting and ability. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is actually God himself consuming us with himself, with his love, with his grace, with who he is. I don't know about you, but I want to be consumed with God. I want to be consumed with whatever makes God God. I want it. I need it. I need his love. I need his power. I need to know how he thinks. I want to know how he feels. And this mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not simply a gift of power. It's not an inanimate object or experience with an inanimate object or power or force. This is God coming upon me, filling me as I totally surrender to him and making me more like him. When people look at you, they ought to see God. When people look at you, they ought to see Jesus. You're not your own. Doesn't the Bible say you are bought with a price? Right? You're not your own. You don't belong to yourself anymore. If you've received Jesus and you've been baptized baptized in this mighty Holy Spirit, you are not your own anymore. You've become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Could we say it this way? You're now hosting the presence of God. Look at somebody and say that. You are hosting the presence of God. That's the mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, this experience after the day of Pentecost continued. Let me give you two other examples. It happened in Samaria, Acts chapter 8. Here in Acts chapter 8, there was a tremendous revival going on. Philip the evangelist has gone, had gone down to the city of Samaria and was preaching. Signs and wonders were occurring. People were getting saved, and the Scripture records that people were getting baptized in water as well. But let's pick up in verse 12 and watch what's happening at this crusade. Now, th- this is like a, a Billy Graham crusade, a spirit-filled Billy Graham crusade. You <laughs> say it that way. I mean, Billy Graham got hundreds of thousands of people saved and born again, and thank God for that. Other ministers have done likewise and also introduced them from there into the Spirit-filled life. But at this point, Philip's a little bit more like Billy Graham. He's preaching the good news, they're accepting Christ, and they're getting water baptized, verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, who was a, a witch, by the way, a warlock, And after being baptized, he continued with Philip, a warlock, got saved and baptized in water, and then it started following the evangelist around the city. And seeing signs and great wonders performed, he was amazed. Look at verse 14. Now, When the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, what is that? Salvation. When back at Jerusalem they heard that there was a great crusade going on and that the individuals there in Samaria had received the word of God, in other words, they had gotten saved, they sent Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had not fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized into the name of Jesus. Are you getting this? So here's a tremendous Billy Graham crusade going on. Thousands are coming to Christ. They're getting water baptized. People who have formerly operated in the occult and in New Age are getting saved and they're committing their lives to Christ, they're getting water baptized, and they're even following the evangelist around like roadies. Isn't that what you call them? Roadies? Imagine that. Groupies? <laughs> one are a good illustration. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. My wife says neither one are probably a good illustration. So, But you get my point. But... Word of this then travels back to Jerusalem and the question is, hmm, they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit though. Now, what did we learn last week? Can a Christian be a Christian without the Holy Spirit? No. Doesn't every Christian have the Holy Spirit? Didn't Paul say, you don't even belong to Christ unless you have the Holy Spirit in you? Right? Isn't that what we learned last week? Well, so what are they talking about here? A second, subsequent experience. They were already born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. They had received new life. They had followed Christ obediently into water baptism. But they had not yet received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. So... They sent Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. What Holy Spirit? The baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is not the Holy Spirit baptizing them into the body of Christ that happens at salvation This is them receiving from Jesus, our baptizer in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. Isn't that interesting? All right, let's go to uh, Acts chapter 19. I'll show you another passage here that even clarifies this further. Acts chapter 19. Look with me at verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, why would the Apostle Paul, who wrote the greatest doctrine ever known on salvation, ask such a question of these believers? Didn't Paul know that believers receive the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit comes into every believer at salvation? Well, of course he did. He wrote the doctrine on it. Look again. There he found some disciples. And he said, Do, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, no. We haven't even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. Now watch his train of thought. He stops and he thinks, hmm, how could you, if you were baptized correctly in water, not have heard of the Holy Spirit? Because if you get baptized properly in water, you do that according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 in the name of the... And the... And the... So they would have heard of the Holy Spirit. So watch Paul, watch his response here. No, we haven't even heard if there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? See, it's always into what? When the Holy Spirit baptizes you at salvation, he baptizes you into the body of Christ. When you are water baptized, you are baptized in water as a symbol of your new birth and salvation. But here he's asking, what were you baptized into if you haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit? And they said, John baptized with the, or excuse me, they said, into John's baptism. He said, whoa, 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 okay, well, that explains it all. He says, well, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people that they had to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. But that wasn't Christian baptism. You need to be re-water baptized. You've received Jesus, but you weren't baptized in water correctly or else you would have heard of the Holy Spirit. This explains it. You were following John the Baptist. He, he baptized unto repentance looking forward to the Christ that would come. That's all good, but now I need to baptize you again. So upon hearing this, they were baptized in water. In the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying just like happened back in Acts chapter 2. And just like happened, by the way, back in Acts chapter 8 and chapter 10. You say, well, we read Acts chapter 8. I didn't see where they talked in tongues and prophesied. Well, it doesn't say that. But something so supernatural did happen when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 8 that the witch, the former warlock, wanted to buy the power. You can't see power, right? I mean, you can't see the Spirit unless he manifests somehow through our being, through our mouth. All right. How about you this morning? I want to ask. Have you received the Spirit since you accepted Jesus as your Savior? You say, Pastor Jeff, what's what do I do? <laughs> I feel a little bit like the crowd when Peter preached. What do I do? I, I want this. I've, I've come to God. I've repented, I, I've turned, I've changed my mind and started going another direction towards God. I've received Jesus, I believe he died for my sins, and I've confessed him as my Lord. I've even been water baptized, Pastor Jeff. But now you're you're talking about something different. You're you're talking about a third baptism, a second subsequent experience with the Holy Spirit to what I've ever known. I want that too. I mean, if Jesus needed it, if it's called the promise, it was prophesied by Joel, foretold by Jesus, Jesus' last words to his disciples were not go, they were wait for this thing, wait for this experience. You tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are clothed with power. I don't know about you, I need this. I need this. Look at somebody and say, I need this. Within the past couple of weeks, how many of you know you needed a jacket a couple weeks ago when those temperatures fell to sub-zero and never got out of single digits during the day? How, how many of you put on something extra? You, you went and got something you don't normally have to have, but you realized to face this environment, To deal with this situation, I need something extra. I need to be clothed with some warmth I don't usually have or need. That's what Jesus was saying. Don't go. Don't go until you've waited. And as you wait and tarry in the city of Jerusalem, you're going to be clothed with a power from on high that's going to give you such a boldness, such an understanding of God. It's going to fill you with who God is, what he's like, how he thinks, and it's going to give you power to be witnesses unto me. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And they said, what must we do? Three things. I had to look at that the other day. I said three things to somebody. <laughs> I'm sorry. Three things. You ready? Number one, thirst. That's right. You, you, you need to thirst. You need to be hungry for this. I mean, if you're really que sera, I don't really care, you know, born again, got my fire insurance policy, me and Jesus, you know, then there's really not going to be much excitement centered around the baptism of the Holy Spirit for you most likely. You need to be hungry. You need to thirst. What do I base that on? John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. On the, last day of the great, uh, on the last day of the feast, that great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. I mean, he was passionate about this. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about what? Read it. This he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were. Future tense to receive. Now, let me ask you a question. Here he calls it what? This experience of the Holy Spirit coming in. He relates it to the water, right? What's he called the water? Rivers of living water. Do you remember the woman at the well? When Jesus went to the well to get water and he had no bucket and a woman came from the city and she had a bucket, and she was dipping and getting the water, and they started a conversation. And in the course of that conversation, she said, well, give me this water you're talking about. Jesus started a conversation with her about eternal life. She said, well, I want this water. Jesus said, this water will be in you a well of water springing up. That's the difference. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in you and like a well, He resources you with eternal life. It'll never be taken away. You're saved. You're born again. You have a well in you. It springs up. It's the source of the fruit of the Spirit. It's the source of the character of God. But dear one, it is not the source of the power of God. When you need power... Do you need a river or a well? When they want to create power for an entire region, what do they do to a lake and the rivers that flow into it? They create a dam. Why? So that they can release that water strategically in force and power. Jesus said, if you'll get hungry... If you'll get thirsty and come to me and ask me, I will put within you a river of living water that will flow up out of you. All right, number two, ask. Number two, ask. Luke chapter 11 and verse 13. If you then, evil as you are, know how to give good gifts, that is, gifts that are to their advantage, to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask and continually ask him? By the way, once you're baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit, you don't need to keep asking for it as in the original experience. But according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 5, you do need to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine. By the way, you know how the, uh, if we were to uh, do a modern translation of that verse? Chapter 5, verse 22 of Ephesians. You know what we would say? Don't smoke pot. Don't smoke pot. Why? It doesn't matter that it's legal, dear one. That's stupid for you to reason like that. He says, but be filled. And the Greek language is in the continual ongoing tense. But keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Getting drunk with wine or smoking pot takes over faculties you surrender parts of your being to that substance that god says they're mine they belong to me and my spirit so put your alcohol down put your cigarettes down put your weed down and become possessed and filled With my Holy Spirit. It's called the baptism. He wants to empower you. Keep on asking for that. Keep on being filled every day. Boy, we've had wonderful past couple of days at the course in home as I was preparing for this message. In fact, this entire series, I've been pressing in to the Holy Spirit, pressing in to asking God for more. And I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I had a very rich original experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I'm sure I'll share with you during this series. But I realized I can keep on being. I can, I can daily be asking for a, a fresh infilling, a, a refilling. I want to top it off. In fact, God, I not only want to top it off, I want it to flow over. And so my wife and I last night, we grabbed hands And we just shared some about the past and the move of God that was in our lives, in our marriage and in our church and uh, cried together and thanked God for the fresh move of His Spirit that's in our lives and in our church now. Number three, receive. First, thirst. Second, ask Jesus to baptize you. And third, simply receive it. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. There it is. You're a partner. If you hold your mouth shut, if you refuse to open it and speak, You're not going to get that overflow of that river coming up out of you. But if you stand in his presence thirsty, you ask him, Lord, baptize me in your spirit. It's the greatest thing that Jesus has ever done for us. He says, absolutely, I will. And he pours his spirit upon us. That spirit, the precious Holy Spirit is poured on us like a hot oil just coming upon us and filling us up. Don't stop there. Open your mouth and begin to worship and praise him. And you know what? When, I understand, when I've helped people understand the partnership of not keeping your mouth closed, but opening it and worshiping after you've asked, I've helped more people come into the precious experience of not only being filled with the Holy Spirit, but walking on into their prayer language of praying and speaking in tongues anyone that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit can speak in tongues from that point forward. That's another message. That'll be during this series.